Andrews Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick on this Trinity Sunday. We will be celebrating communion this morning. As is the tradition, I would ask that you pause the video and go and find something that you can use as the elements for communion so that you too can participate. Some wine and bread, grape juice and toast, whatever you might have on hand, and then restart the video. Leading worship today will be Stuart Page, Leslie Frazier, and our storyteller is Sheila Black. Our organist, choir director, music director, and pianist is David Berry, and I am the Reverend Susan Brazier. Please join me in the call to worship. Holy are you, source and creator of all things. We bring you our praise for your gift of life. Holy are you, Son and Redeemer of all things. We bring you our thanks for your gift of new life. Holy are you, Spirit and Sustainer of all things. We come to bear witness to your truth and to worship your holy name, ever three and ever one. Let us worship God. Join me in the prayer of approach, God of mystery and mercy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We meet in your wonders as the blessed Trinity. You are the ancient of days, eternal and unchanging. Yet you are the source of earth of each new day, renewing all things in Christ's healing address, which each day brings. With a heart that beats in love for us, through thought of the Spirit, you breathe life into what is growing old. Energize us to serve you in the good times and hard times. So we bring you our worship and praise to join in the dance of love and light, holy one and holy free, now and evermore. Amen. Are you ready for the story? Let's take a deep breath. Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Creator, this 
is the water of creation, the dangerous water of the flood, the water the people went through into freedom, the water Jesus and you and I are baptized in. The water represents this and so much more. Once there was someone that said such wonderful things and did such awesome things that people wondered who he was. One day, they just had to ask him. Then he said, I am the light. The light has come into the world, into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Sustainer. The Holy Spirit goes where it will. It rides the invisible wind like a dove. It comes to us when we need comfort and power. It is invisible, but still there. We watch the tree branches moving in the wind. We can feel it soft on our face. We don't see the Holy Spirit, but we see everything it does, and we can feel it as it moves in and through our lives, like, when, like we can feel the breeze. The Holy Trinity, three in one. I wonder, have you ever felt the water of God? I wonder where you have seen Jesus' light. I wonder if you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Go out into the world with the help of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Amen.
prayer of illumination. God of wisdom, with the wind of your spirit, open our minds and hearts to receive your life-giving word through the scriptures. Energize us to follow Christ, your living word, wherever the spirit moves us. Amen. Please join me in reading Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You don't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to the Lord. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. In his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our gospel lesson today comes from the third chapter of John, verses 1 through 21. Listen now for the word of God. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is a judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is a word of God for the people of God. This is Trinity Sunday the one time a year when the Christian calendar encourages all ministers to preach a little theology. So this sermon has three parts. That seems like a good start for discussing Trinity, don't you think? First, we will explore some of the tried and true metaphors used to explain the mystery of God. Next, we will discuss some of the history surrounding the development of the theology of the Trinity because it just would not be a proper Susan sermon without a little historical aspects. After all, I am married to a classicist. And finally, we will return to Nicodemus's late night encounter with Jesus as he attempts to sort out the mystery of God. I know you are familiar with traditional metaphors used to explain how God can be both creator God of the Old Testament and the incarnate God of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that shows up in church and in our individual lives in wondrous and amazing ways. St. Patrick used a shamrock to explain this idea, one plant with three leaves. Or there's the egg analogy with the shell, the yolk, and the white, all one, each part essential and yet each part distinct. 
My favorite of these metaphors, however, is the perichoresis. That's a fancy Greek phrase that means, peri means to circle, and choresis is a word for dance. The idea is that God is a dance performed by three dancers together. All members of the dance move as one, precisely and fluidly, to create a meaningful work together. Perichoresis, this idea that God is like a dance, was developed by the Archbishop of Constantinople, Gregory of Nazianzus, in the fourth century. This image of God has rippled down across millennia and has been picked up by many modern theologians like Jorgen Moltmann and Richard Rohr. But don't think that our struggle to grasp the nature of God is a problem that is just of the modern era. Okay, so this is when we get to the history part. Nope. You see that the language used throughout the New Testament as our authors acknowledge that God is multifaceted. When Constantine in the fourth century became Christian, one of the first things he did was to call all the Christian religious leaders and told them, get your act together. He believed in Jesus Christ. He carried the Cairo monogram on his flags and armor and had it imprinted on the coins of the Roman Empire. The Cairo are the first two symbols of the Greek word Christ. The Chi looks like an X and makes a sound of ch, and the Rho looks like a backwards R and makes a sound er. Just in case you ever wondered what that Cairo symbol was all about. But back to our Roman Emperor Constantine's confusion about this god of the Christians. In 325 AD, Constantine gathered all these Christian religious leaders in the city of Nicaea, which is located in northwest part of modern-day Turkey. It was an ecumenical gathering. That means that there were representatives from all the different schools of thought about who and what Jesus was. History tells us that approximately 1,800 bishops from all over the Roman Empire were in attendance. Their work culminated with a statement of the Nicene Creed, which Christians of all denominations around the world still recite today, including us. The acknowledgement of a creator God who we regard as a parent and we call Father, and of the divinity of Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God who became human, just so all of humanity could relate to the vastness of the creator of the universe. And then the acknowledgement of how we experience this benevolent creator of all that is and all that will ever be, through our encounters with the Holy Spirit, that force that brings us peace in the midst of chaos, or when something happens that just seems a little too improbable to attribute to coincidence, you know, those encounters, those God moments. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Christ, Spirit, Giver, Gift, Giving, Lover, Beloved, Love, Speaker, Word, Breath, Creator, Savior, Sanctifier, Maker, Healer, Comforter, Rock, Cornerstone, Temple, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Presence, Protester, Provocator, Loving parent, beloved child, spirit of love, 
overflowing font, living water, flowing river, source of all, word made flesh, spirit of life, one from whom, one through whom, one in whom. So now I want to turn to the gospel reading from the book of John. As Christians, we encounter the term kingdom of God often in the Bible. This phrase positively drips out of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke just love to compare things to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a treasure, a king, a pearl, yeast, and the list just goes on. But in John's gospel, only twice does the author use the term kingdom of God. And both are found in this story about Nicodemus's midnight visit to Jesus. Verse 3, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And verse 5, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Poor Nicodemus. Actually, I have to tell you, I love this guy. He is a religious leader. He, he is a Pharisee. He is not part of the underclass just trying to gain a bit of dignity or at least that day's meal. No, he is a man of great education, power, and influence. And he just wants to know about God. He asks the hard questions that we all ask, and he grapples with the almost incomprehensible answers. But Jesus is patient and doesn't give up on him. Jesus explains about the kingdom of God and about the spirit, comparing it to the wind that we cannot see, but that we know exists. And this Nicodemus, this Nicodemus who represents the Sanhedrin, calls Jesus rabbi, teacher, and remains a student of our Lord and Savior to the end, for it is this Nicodemus that takes Jesus's body from the cross along with Joseph of Arimathea. It is in this late night conversation, Jesus sets forth the pieces of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. After all has been said about an unknowable mystery of the triune God, we are left with only one real certainty, and that is the relational nature of God, the interconnectedness of the Almighty. Whether you want to follow the Irish image of a shamrock or the analogy of an egg or the dance of the perichoresis, in the end, the Trinity is always a way to understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a place or a thing, but rather a relationship. We might spend our lives chasing things and experiences, but in the end, all that really matters is who we loved and who loved us. As is so often repeated by people at the end of their lives, it is not the possessions or the achievements that matter at all. Life is about our relationships with one another. Our God is by definition that of relationship. So here is the good news. Our God, the three-in-one, 
this relational being steps out of eternity and into human history in the person of Jesus Christ to interrupt the course that we set for ourselves and to just be in relationship with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, as you imagine the kingdom of God as the Trinity, the perichoresis, this great dance, remember, Jesus has invited you to become part of the relationship. You have an invitation to the dance. For as Paul wrote to the Christians living in Rome, if we accept this invitation to be in relationship with God, we are adopted as God's children. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back into fear, but you received a spirit that shows that you are adopted as his children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. The kingdom of God is not a place or a thing, but rather a relationship. A relationship in which we are included. Praise God, the three-in-one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. Amen. with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal and triune God. You spoke the world into being, and your word became flesh in Jesus Christ. By your spirit you made us your people, when we were lost in sin, you found us, sending us your prophets and even your own Son. Therefore, we lift our voices with those who worship you in every time and place, singing your glory forever and ever. Holy, holy, holy God of glory and grace, all creation dances in joy before you. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes to bring us life. Hosanna in the highest. You are holy God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Born of Mary, he came to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. He forgave our failures, healed our hurts, and gave himself in utter sacrifice for those he loved. After three days, you raised him from the dead that we might never die. Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this wine and joyfully celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming. 
With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated to your service. Among his friends on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup and he offered it to his friends. Saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. So here in this time of holy celebration, here at the sacred feast prepared for us, we would speak of that mystery that we call faith. We remember Christ's death. We remember Christ's resurrection. We remember Christ will come again in glory. Glorious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ so that we may be one with all who share this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Keep us faithful in your service until Jesus Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all the saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please join me as we partake in the elements of this joyful meal. This is the bread of heaven. And this is a cup of salvation. Please join me in the prayer after communion. Holy Spirit, you have filled us with your life. Christ, our Savior, you have embraced us with your love. God, our Creator, you have fed us with your grace. Now send us out into the, your beloved world to share your life, your love, your grace with all. Blessing and honor and glory to you, holy, holy, holy Lord. Amen.
And now go out into the world in peace. Have courage, hold on to that which is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.